As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landish, joined by Ari Wasserman, who is currently in Los Angeles. And Ari, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm going to watch the Elite 11, going to watch some quarterbacks chucking around. Turns out, Ari was out there brokering a deal to bring UCLA and USC to the Big Ten. Ari, how'd you get it done? I'm in Big Ten country. That's all I know. <laughs> you know, I, uh, God, this sport, bud. This sport, um. I'm like kind of speechless still. This happened a long time ago. It was like eight hours ago now, and I'm still kind of it's still processing because it just like let's just rip the band aid off, make super conferences, and just get on with it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean that's what ta- that is. That is the next step in this. This is like the beginning, and then eventually we'll get there. Um, and I think and by, the time, by the time this podcast goes on the internet, like you could get a news breaking that Oregon's coming too. So like, well, it's, that's yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's not. This can't be it, right? There has to be corresponding moves, you would think. Like, to, to only add two West Coast teams to the Big Ten seems a little strange. Yeah. Um, I I don't know that we are perfect uh, examples of, like, what should be done or, like, if we're, like, the perfect people to talk about it. But, like, it does seem like this is more significant than Texas, Oklahoma, even. Because like now you've got two conferences that are, are kind of got their legs kicked out from underneath them, and it's like you could you could come around on the idea that 
the Big 12 could get UCF and BYU and, and Cincinnati and, and, the, and get those teams in there and, and kind of salvage something. But now you've got two programs, you know, assuming that Oregon and Washington go, because I bet they will go somewhere, because it's about defense now. You know, you don't want to get caught with your pants down and be in the wrong conference. That just gets completely decimated. But you have two potential Power Five conferences, as we used to refer to it as, without an anchor program in it. So, like, when it comes to logistics and, and travel and what time games kick off and all that stuff, I think that's a conversation for later down the line. Because, um, you know, <laughs> unless you want to talk about fish tacos now, which I'm, I'm totally you know, I, happy to do. I'm always in favor of talking about fish tacos. So, But, like, it just seems to me that this move is going to shift the entire paradigm of the sport. Whereas when Texas and uh, Oklahoma left the uh, Big 12, that wasn't for sure. I think this one was like the bigger move as it in conjunction, obviously, with the first one. But like this one seemed to really rock the sport more than even the first one did. Yeah, it's it's their response. And, and I think the, the Big 10 had to make one. Um, not that like I don't think we were ever going to get to the point where there was like an SEC only national champion uh, or like any of that kind of stuff that was floated out there. Like I never put any stock stock in that. But like. If they're consolidating power the way that they are in the SEC, then as the Big Ten, and if you want to be on that level and play big boy football and make big boy money playing football, like you have, you can't lose ground there. So they had to do something like this. I, I, I wasn't expecting it today. I wasn't really expecting it anytime soon. I just I feel like it was kind of put on the back burner and was maybe going to happen later on. Um, but I'm not ultimately surprised that this is the result. Like this was this was the logical move. It was like remember when we were when the the expansion stuff or the latest expansion stuff happened, people were kicking around like, oh, what can the Big Ten do? It's like, oh, well, maybe they can add like Kansas and Missouri. It's like, no, that ain't it. Like that's not that's not the move. Yeah, that's not the move, move you make. The needle. Yeah. yeah, it's USC, and it's like really only USC. I guess like UCLA gets lumped in with it because they're coming too. But it's really like USC. The only the, the and I get like besides USC, the only other like brand that was out there that you could like make a big big splash and it would be a bigger splash is Notre Dame, which I'm assuming is probably what the Big Ten's eyeing next. I would think so. Like with that, if you're going to add more than 16 teams, like Notre Dame is the one you have to go after. Even who's to say if whether or not they'll join? I have no idea. Um, but I think that's probably the next move. And the ACC might uh, will take a swing at Notre Dame as well. But um, yeah, it, it, the ground started to shift when Oklahoma and Texas left the Big 12 for the SEC, and and this was the natural and probably like only response the Big Ten could make if it wanted to keep ground. Yeah, and it would be great if Oregon came too. You know, I think that the Oregon USC additions might have been as significant as Texas and Oklahoma. Maybe a little bit less significant because Oklahoma is is a um, Oklahoma and Texas are maybe bigger brands in the sport just based on location, geography, and history. But USC, I think, is probably right on par with those other two programs. I would say so, yeah. Getting getting Oregon uh, into that mix, I think, would be like a, a a bucket for a bucket type of scenario. You know, um, the thing that I don't, I think that Ohio State fans want to know is a, how does this impact Ohio State? Right, this is an yeah. Ohio State podcast. I don't know that it does all that much other than cool new games um, and a tougher schedule. I think the bigger question, Landis, is what the hell is the national championship situation going to look like? Like, if you add all these teams, you know, you, you the entire college football expansion discussion completely shifted because now these these conferences with all these teams in it don't want to do the automatic qualifiers because you want to have uh, more opportunity to get, get teams in. And it's just like the way you make the playoff now is going to be different. You have to mm-hmm. have more grace for losing. Like, it's like a complete different shift, and we're getting into that NFL territory, you yeah. know. Um. 
so like and maybe i'm just like my mind is running 10 miles an hour or 10 steps ahead of where everybody else is at right now but like in 10 years i think that you might be eight and four and win a national championship like i mean like if if you have a conference like that i mean if ohio state has a schedule that has oregon uh usc michigan penn state um and uh michigan state on it uh it's gonna be a tough a tough road you know and notre dame could be on that schedule like i mean if half your games are big time prime time games that you know we usually only get three or four of a year now then you know who knows so yeah i think and we talked about that i think a little bit when it seemed like playoff expansion was imminent at the time maybe it was like last summer or something like that and, and it, it was tabled a little bit it's go, it's going to happen um this just like further solidifies that it's going to happen so like i don't know I don't know that this move in and of itself kind of changes what was going to be the reality for Ohio State in an expanded playoff, which is to say, like, you can start losing two or three games a year and still be in a position to be a national champion. This just makes that all the more likely. Um, and it is, it is, I guess, potentially NFL-like in that it, you know, college football's regular season, I think, was, like, sort of special or different, at least. Um and that probably gets diminished a little bit in a world where the losses just don't weigh as heavy as, as they used to. Um, and that was true even with, at the advent of the four-team playoff, and it just it just keeps changing as you add more teams. So I think like when and the you th- thing, too, that you have to consider, too, Bill, is that as these conferences turn into super conferences, how are, is college football even going to be able to preserve some of the, the rivalries and the historical things that you get used to? Like... Mm-hmm. You know, when you have all these schedules and all these teams playing, um, it's just uh, – it's just I think the sport is going to be radically different. Um, yeah, I think – Maybe it'll be better once it feels once it feels normal, but it's it's certainly different. It's definitely different, and I don't want to – like, there are there are a lot of people like, this is the death of college football. It's like, I don't I, – I, I don't want to be dramatic, um, and I don't really like when people are. Like, if you're if you're a quote-unquote traditionalist and this you, this doesn't jive with the way you enjoy college football, like, I, I totally respect that. But I also am the kind of person who, like, let's see a play out and, like, let's let's see what the normal is and whether or not we like it. Maybe we'll all hate it, but um, I'm not just going to assume that it's going to stink. Um, it could be good. Well, at the end of the road, it's just going to be awesome games, and we just like watching awesome games, and that's the whole point of watching the sport. So I think yes. that the sport will be fine. But it, right. this is a lot of change in a lot of areas in a very short amount of time. I will give it people is. that. Like yeah. if, if you yeah. are somebody who has struggled with change, and you you know the the NIL thing was a huge historic step forward, and then you marry that with the the transfer portal change, and then you have crazy expansion happening at the same time. College football expansions talking like I don't know. I think you could make the case that in the last year year and a half there's been more dramatic change in college football than the previous 50 years combined like i mean it's uh, absolutely yeah 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 it's fun like i i just like i use ryan day as like the the benchmark of that because he started coaching became a head coach in 2019 like think of all the shit that has changed in no, college I know, football man, in the f- three years that ryan day's been the head coach of State. i mean just think about how dramatically different it is to just like recruit yeah, and all the stuff you've got to pitch and think about now, just in just recruiting. It's so, different. Yeah, you know, yeah. the the questions I have, I guess, are what kind of if Ohio State wins a national championship in twenty thirty three, what's that team going to look like in terms of like record and and schedule and path? Right. What's this mean for the Michigan game? Um, all the types of things that you know traditional Ohio State fans, um, you know, are are worried about. And I'll be honest with you, like I've always been a screw tradition let's do the fun thing alternate uniforms badass playoff system badass bowl system you know 
fuck off. Like I, I don't care about all that stuff. But like I do this time genuinely feel um, bad for people who don't like what's happening because like college football for a lot of people is their favorite thing in the entire world. And it's like now that you're you're kind of getting what you like stripped away from you a little bit. My only hope is that you'll grow to love the new thing. So um, the yeah, the entire world is, is definitely shifting. And like the one thing I will say, if you're an Ohio State fan, and you're listening to this podcast, like you are the last people that I truly feel bad for. Like I feel bad for Arizona State fans and and um, Arizona fans and teams in the Big 12, like Texas Tech fans, like their conferences are getting ripped apart and like their programs are, are in turn different. Like Arizona State's program is different today than it was yesterday. Yeah. Because they're in conferences that are losing anchors. Like those are the teams that are really getting screwed here. So Ohio State w- is, is one of those teams that no matter what happens, the sport will change around them, not vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fine in the right. long run. But like certainly... And you can tell this this podcast is even a little scatterbrained because it's like really hard to just take all this information and, and, and put it into one, you know, single thought. But like shit, man, this is a lot to digest. Mike Hall from the Big Ten Network just tweeted a photo of their studio. It's like the the, the news desk in the Big Ten Network studios in Chicago, and there's a USC and UCLA logo on it, and it just looks very weird. It's a UCLA logo, a Big Ten logo, and then a Southern California logo. And it's very strange. <laughs> it's going to take a yes. while. It's going to take a while to get used to that. I think. Um, but the, how did people feel like when Penn State joined the Big Ten? Or like I remember like when Rutgers and Maryland joined the Big Ten, and it was weird. And then like now, ten yeah. years later, it's just it's normal and it is what it is. So you know, I don't I don't know logistically how they're going to do this shit. I wondered that too. Like for for football, I. I don't think it's like a major, major thing. It's like NFL teams travel coast to coast and play like play games. Like I, I, it'll be a pain in the ass, I think. And it's part of the reason why I think they're going to add more than just these two West Coast teams to make life a little easier on USC and UCLA, so they're not on a plane for six hours every week. Um, but like the Olympic sports, the sports that play more than once a week, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. <laughs> um, I guess that's a topic for or a kind of a conversation for another day because I think people first and foremost are, are concerned with the football ramifications of this. But I do think I was talking to somebody earlier today on on Thursday and I brought that up and they said, you know, like I don't. I think people thought about those logistics, but I'm not totally sure they cared about it when when the bag that every program is going to get now is going to be in excess of a hundred million dollars once this new television deal comes down and the Los Angeles market is now part of the Big Ten footprint. So um, I guess those kind of things get sacrificed in the name of money, which I, which is probably unfortunate, but not uh, all that surprising. Um, I, I like you and and like things like this happen like you try to localize and it's like okay like what what does this like really fundamentally change about Ohio State's existence and maybe I'm naive to say that I feel like it's not much but I but I truly feel like it's not all that much like you said like the sport the sport changes around Ohio State Ohio State doesn't change because of of things that are that are kind of forced upon it so um, yeah and just, truthfully like, speaking Ohio State's probably the reason why the Big Ten is the second most powerful p- conference. Well, that's like the, if you took I, the Ohio State brand out of the Big Ten, it might not be the one that's eating up all the teams right now. I do, I do find Ohio State's position in all this interesting, and and everything that's been reported about this move to to this point has been that USC and UCLA kind of reached reached out to the Big Ten. Um, their their grant of rights, I guess, is it is is up in twenty twenty four. They were looking to move. They came to the Big Ten. Like, of course, the Big Ten is going to take them. Um, but Ohio State is the most sec like program in the big 10 really no one else is, is even in that same vein and ohio state didn't want to be in a position where like the sec is dominating college football 
and Ohio State is sort of like an afterthought. And maybe that's like not quite the right the right way to put it, but I, the idea of Ohio State like helping push the agenda here, I think, is interesting. And I, I don't know that they did that exactly. I would like to talk to Gene Smith um, at some point to ask about like Ohio State throwing its weight around a little bit because like the Big Ten just couldn't stand Pat. And the Big Ten program that is most incentivized to make sure the league doesn't stand pat is Ohio State. So um, I'm just kind of curious about their role in all of this and and how much yeah. they kind of pushed push that envelope to get the Big Ten to do something when it really looked like they were going to do nothing, which I think would have been a terrible decision. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the Pac-12 did nothing, and that turned out to be a pretty terrible decision. Yeah, the Pac-12 is like, like dead, a, right? Like uh, that's yeah. I think it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. I would assume like two more of their teams are going to be in whatever this new Big Ten is. And then they have after after that they have uh, they had twelve teams right yeah I think so yeah so now they'll be down to eight probably and eight teams that I think on on their own are not a particularly strong football brand um, yeah that could be could be the death knell of the I mean like I think 12. the 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 layup idea is that you just join the rem- remnants of the of the Pac twelve with the remnants of the Big twelve to kind of make a, a big conference full of, of brands that have played power five football before, but yeah, then you sort of have like three needle. Then you have like three kind of power conferences. No, not really. I mean, there's some good, if you did that, there'd be some really good programs in that third. Well, like Baylor would be in there. Oklahoma state would be in there. Um, who for like uh, Utah, maybe I don't Yeah, It's funny. No, like it's you, like you have a conference full of 16 to 20 teams though. It's like, I don't even know how you schedule that. You don't even play half the teams in your conference. Right. That's yeah. I don't know. Cuz I was trying to figure that out with with just just like say let's say this entity that is now that now includes USC and, and UCLA and the Big 10 stays at 16 teams. It's, it's probably not going to, but let's just say for for the sake of argument that it is. And then okay, well figuring that out is kind of easy. You do like a 3-6 pod scheduling thing where you lock in three opponents and you play the other 12 teams in a league every six a year every other year. That that's pretty straightforward. But then, like, who are your like? Who do you lock in as the pods? Because I would think if you're doing this, you would want Ohio State and USC to play every year, right? Like that, you don't you don't get a bigger TV. Well, draw. it's hard because because the TV draw exists for Ohio State already, no matter who they play. So USC might be the other TV draw, and if you lock them in together, you might get one big you might get one big game a year where both of them are in the same place, and it's a kaboom. But you might want to use USC and Ohio State separately to get more ratings on multiple games if they don't play each other. So, like, that's the thing that you have to kind of weigh, too. And it's just like, how do you draw the champion then? So you have yeah. you have four different pods, and the winner of each pod, is there like a semifinal and then a Big Ten championship within cool. the own system? So you have, a, you have a semifinal game, then a Big Ten championship game, then a semifinal game, and a national title game. And then, of course, the playoff is going to look completely different, too. So, like, mm-hmm. there might be legitimate, like, five or six quasi-playoff games en route to a national championship in college football in the next 10 years. Like, the, it's like the entire sport is shifting. So, it's like everybody's making jokes about, like, oh, wow, I can't wait to watch the UCLA-Maryland game uh, at 9 a.m. Central or 9 a.m. Pacific time. Like, and that's going to happen. I just threw my mouth. <laughs> Big 12 uh, or Big Noon kickoff at 9 a.m. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I will say this. USC has been a very ruthless program the last six months. They uh, have. And I think that if you USC has been a ruthless program, you want as many ruthless programs in your conference I as think, possible. I think that's right. Uh, Antonio Morales, our USC writer, wrote, I thought, a really good column about that that went up on, on Thursday. And as I was reading it, because I think um, like Ohio State tries to play both sides of that coin, and they're not always successful doing it. But, but I think like when – when the money's down and you have to pick one, I think they would err on the side of ruthless when it came to ensuring the the success of its football program. Um, and I'm I don't think I would say that about any other program in the Big Ten. So if another program that's like that is joining the Big Ten and can like help Ohio State, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, especially too is like if Lincoln Riley like leans into that villain brand. Mm-hmm. Like I think the more villains in your conference, the better. So like I mean, and who knows. In 20 years, maybe USC will be Ohio State's second biggest rival. You know, it doesn't take much for that to happen. They so. have some decent history. That well, that's they that, do. That's yeah, why they got I, a lot of those uh, Archie games back in the Rose Bowl. Right, right, a lot of them are like Rose Bowls in the 70s. But um, they have they have good history, and uh, that's why I found myself wondering, like, okay, like, are they would, they would they make like an Ohio State USC Michigan? I guess it'd have to be UCLA pod if they did pod scheduling. It's like that'd be a pretty sexy pod. <laughs> but then you have to but then you have to win your pod, right? Uh no, no. Pods pod scheduling is just a way to make sure that everyone in the league plays each other. It's not So but then how would you keep the rankings though? Like I don't understand how the rankings look. Is it all just one list and the there's top no, two wins? There's no divisions. Everyone, yeah, you just play your schedule, and then whoever has the highest winning percentage. I know, but goes. the most teams the more teams, the more likely it is. It's you the same thing. Have like a four or five way tie at the top. It's the same thing right? that the ACC is doing. Yeah. Yeah. You just go by win percentage. Yeah. That's, and then uh, you have a tie, you go battle royale. It, it is kind of crazy to think, though, that like you have a conference that's so big that you don't even play half the teams in it. It's like, how do you win a conference that you're not even exposed to half the teams? Well, the Big Ten does that now. I've covered Ohio State since 2014. I've seen them play Iowa once. That's true. You know, like They've only played them once total? Yeah, they were supposed to play in 2020, and they play this year. Yeah, they don't play Minnesota very often, it seems, either. They played um, Minnesota, I think, three times last year, and yeah. then a few years before, it, and that was it. Yeah, they've gone the Northwestern one time in my time covering the beat. So, like, I like the idea of yeah. seeing of seeing more of the league, however that comes comes to be, and I think that that is what will happen. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm like reading things on Twitter as we're talking. Uh, Apple. Yeah, this is too. from John John Orrand. Apple told the Big Ten that it wants to reengage in media talks after it heard about USC and UCLA. Shocked. They're going to get so much goddamn money. No, I know <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be ridiculous. Well, I mean, this is what the whole thing is, and I think it's so funny, dude. Because you know, as a recruiting guy, the only thing that I read on my on my stories, these angry comments all the time about like NIL is ruining the sport and shit, and, like all the money that's going in is like corrupting it. It's just like, dude, you know who's corrupting the sport? <laughs> <This is> smart, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not the the two million dollars that Malachi Nelson could make. It's the billion dollars that the TV companies are restructuring the whole sport. So you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what recruiting is going to look like. I don't know what the the sport's going to look like. But you know, it is. I am a little queasy. I will. I will admit that. Like I am totally a forge ahead, forge on ahead. Uh, whatever's to come, we'll make the best of it type of person. But like as a person who grew up loving the sport and still loving the sport, I'm a fan. I consume it. I watch it like everybody else does. We are no better than anybody listening to this podcast. I am a little afraid that the special nature of the sport is getting juiced out of it a little bit. I'm like, I'm, I hope that it's still amazing in 10 years, the way that it's always been amazing. Like, and I don't know if I sound like a dramatic asshole to you or not, but no, no, I, I don't. I, I, I'm sure you're not alone in, in feeling that or, or worrying about that. I, I, I don't look at it that way. I don't. I, I just don't like it's. But I'm, I'm, I don't think anyone who does is wrong. Like I get it. There's people enjoy this sport for myriad reasons. So, um, if you're someone who like like the regionality of college football, or yeah, thought there was something there's like special a tribalistic about, thing to it about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and that's geography. like that's getting wiped away a little bit for sure. Yeah, it's like there's just not. And I think maybe sometimes like we're in our, in our, in our Ohio State bubble. And like that's totally fine, but like, and maybe sometimes people don't appreciate like like people in West Lafayette, Indiana, like get real juiced up when like Purdue plays Northwestern. I I would assume like, but like now it's like oh Purdue's traveling to L.A. to play UCLA in a conference game. It's like that's weird. Do we really need that? I don't know that we need that, but I guess that's just a byproduct of the conference needing to make sure it doesn't lose ground to the SEC. But it's also a hell of a lot to put the kids through, man. It is a like lot. I was to at put the Elite Eleven. Through. Yeah, for sure. I was at the Elite Eleven today, and like I was just like watching Malachi Nelson. I was like, dude, this dude's life just completely changed, and he had nothing to do with it. And I just kind of wrote a mini column about it. It's just like, you know, these guys are 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 just kind of along for the ride here. And you know, I don't know. His, I don't know how much different his life will be. He still gets to go to USC and play and live in the place that he wants to play. But like, he has road trips to Maryland now. Like when he should have been going to. Tempe, Arizona, like it's just a different existence. So, um, you know, I wonder too, it's like we're seeing the beginning part of it. And it's like, if you look at the map, you have all the big 10 teams clustered in the, in the Midwest and the Northeast. Yeah. Um, and then you have two little dots in the, in the Southwest, but it's just like, this is like judging a car before you put the wheels on them. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's possible that we're still in the construction phase and it's like there might be a few more teams that pop up on the West Coast, which will make it seem a little bit more or less lopsided. That map will look as weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, if like if it's uh, Oregon at the top left and Washington, like I, the thing I don't know is like if you could pick any of the top two teams in the in the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten, you don't pick UCLA as two. So like USC, the ruthless program we were just talking about that Antonio wrote about, like seems to have looked out for their rival. Um what does that mean for Oregon and Oregon State? What does that mean for Washington and Washington State? Uh, or will they just treat uh, treat their rivals the way Oklahoma treated Oklahoma State? I don't know, like, contractual things and, and history and all that. I think it's different for every program, but it'll be very curious to see if some of these teams bolt without them. Because, like, the Big Ten already made a mistake. Like, if you if you are not, – not today, but in the past, like, Rutgers and Maryland are, like, the biggest recipients of right place, right time – Ever like to be in the Big Ten because of uh, regional contra- or television uh, markets when that lasted for two years and it wasn't important anymore. It's like now Rutgers. I mean, it got the, the program. It got it got Big Ten programs pretty substantial payouts that probably would not have happened if those two programs were not. In the no, no, I know, but I'm saying like those programs in general now are like in the Illuminati of the big of, of the college football 
They are they paradigm are, shift. They are now an unnecessary appendage. That's for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And they're in it. And it's just like how many programs that are like like Arizona State. I don't know that they would be a good take. And you said Missouri. That's not it. They not, that they might not be a take. But like Rutgers is. You know. So it's like kind of like you have to be careful of who you expand because you don't want to. You only want to expand quality now. You've got enough of the dreck at the bottom of the of the conference. You want to get the right right guys because you want to compete toe to toe with the SEC. So you don't want to add Oregon State or Washington State, do you? Um, I mean, it's not not ahead of Washington or Oregon, no. Um, well, of course not. But yeah. what if you add like if somebody said the Big Ten can add Washington, but it has to take Washington State? Is that a thing that you do? Uh, if I were if I had to choose between a pair of programs, Washington or Washington State or Oregon and Oregon State, I would take Oregon. The, I would Oregon take State. the Oregon programs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no question. Yeah. Um, it is crazy because like isn't Oregon and like who who's Maryland? Of the Pac-12. Like, isn't UCLA kind of the Maryland of the Pac-12, or is Oregon the Maryland of the Pac-12? No. Well, no, I don't. I don't. I, use, I don't think. I think both those programs are better than Maryland. Uh, no, I, I just mean, like, from, like, the, the Nike sexy, you know, sexy oh. uniform could be better than they are. I mean, Oregon's probably not. They've accomplished a no, lot. Oregon's they played pretty, for a national title. And, and actually, but, like, UCLA has been okay under Chip the last couple of years. Like, they, haven't they won, like, eight games the last couple of years? Yeah. I think they're, they're over-under this year's nine. Um, I actually, like... UCLA is like kind of like out of sight, out of mind, but I kind of like the way they play under Chip. Um, I also like their uniforms. Love their uniforms. It will be weird uh, seeing Big Ten teams just like go in the play in the Rose Bowl on a normal Saturday. That'll be very strange. Well, some of them are never going to get there any other way. Yeah, so. that's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Um, uh, but that, Jim, what does this Jim mean Harbaugh for the Rose Bowl? Coaching the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, what does it mean for the actual Rose Bowl? Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question because it's not going to be – it's not going to be Big Ten versus Pac-12 anymore. I know that much. At least if I'm the Rose Bowl, I don't want to, if it's the if I'm the Rose Bowl, I don't want it to be. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. Hope, maybe it seemed like the Rose Bowl was like kind of a pain in the ass for people, and they were trying to figure out playoff expansion and how to structure it and stuff. So maybe this makes it less of a pain in the ass if they have like no other option but to play ball. Um, yep. But yeah, that is probably fundamentally different moving forward, which again probably rankles. Is that a word? Wrinkles? Ruffles the feathers of, of people who are more traditional about college football, which, again, I get and respect. Um, what do you think uh, – I wanted to make sure I asked, asked you this because I think sometimes it gets a little too much, might get made of it. But when Maryland and Rutgers joined the Big Ten, it felt like the DMV in New Jersey became very uh, fruitful recruiting grounds for the conference. And not everyone in the Big Ten recruits Southern California – but Ohio State obviously does. I think Michigan's there a little bit. Um, Nebraska, I think, has been there in the past, but not so much right now. Notre this, Dame. Notre Dame, obviously, if Notre Dame joins. But yeah. uh, does this – and I, I also ask this realizing – I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I ask this realizing that like USC is far more equipped to defend its own backyard than Rutgers and Maryland ever will be. But does this change anything about the way the Big Ten can recruit if suddenly Southern California is part of its footprint? Yeah. I mean, the thing that I always wonder about – about recruiting is geography and if somebody has to get on an airplane and fly four and a half hours to your campus does any other thing matter besides that like at a certain point when can you not overcome that you know and i think national recruiting in general has has certainly normalized a hell of a lot more in the last three years than it was the previous 10 um but like is purdue all of a sudden a reasonable uh place to go for a southern california three-star like it like are there going to be Washington State Purdue battles? Is, is that what you're asking me? Or like, yes, like, yeah. 
Oregon I'm, State, Indiana battles. You know, um, yeah, I'm not asking like if if Purdue's going to go in and get like Mateo Uyangalale, but is 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 Purdue now more able to get a three star player from uh, Rancho Cucamonga than it would have been before today? Do you want to know what my actual opinion is, Landis? Yes. I think that we view other programs and their ability to adapt their recruiting strategy on an annual basis like Ohio State does, and like Ohio State is a unicorn. Like, Ohio State's like, you know what? Fuck Tennessee this year. We're going to Montana, and like they're going to go get it. You know, like, most programs can't operate like that. So, like, I my personal opinion is that, hey, maybe they'll go into California and get a guy here or there. But, like, for the most part, I think Purdue's recruiting strategy is basically locked in, right? Mm. You, you go into Ohio a little bit. You go into Indiana. You try your best to, to go into Kentucky because your coach is from there. And, you know, you kind of wrangle in Midwest guys, and then that's it. You know, it, I, I don't think that all of a sudden, like, the, the bottom half of the Big Ten is going to start, like, recruiting palm springs you know uh i i mean maybe i'm wrong about well i that, guess like, i guess maybe another way to frame it maybe would be you kind of got you kind of touched on it when you asked me like is purdue going to recruit against washington state like if you're a three-star kid in california which league would you rather play in yeah but i don't think prospects really care about leagues you don't think that a kid might be more willing to consider the conference this new version of the Big Ten over oh, this. Oh, yeah, that, that. Yeah, I got, I got you know, what you mean. I bargain you bin like version of the Pac 12. No, no, yeah, no. Like you want to play. That's the reason why a, yeah. a prospect would consider the SEC over the Big 12 two years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that this is going to be a major problem for the Pac 12 schools, not only because they lost the anchor, but because they are less sexy again. Yeah. And not that they were the sexiest conference in the country to begin with, but like. The Pac-12 has been has been lagging behind, dragging ass behind everybody else for the past ten years. It's like it's only a matter of time before it got decimated. And the programs that wanted to be serious about winning and, and participating in college football and being obsessed with it, you know. And ironically enough, I don't know if UCLA would fit that category, but like that is is who is attractive to the big time football obsessed pro, uh, conferences. So, you know, I mean, personally speaking, if you would have told me this morning, hey, there's going to be some expansion. You're the Big Ten commissioner. Which uh, brand in college football that's not in the SEC would you want to add? USC would be in the top three of my choices. USC, Notre Dame, Clemson. Clemson, maybe. I mean, yeah. you also have Florida State. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's that's a that's one. Miami. Ooh, bring the, I mean, because bring like, the U to the Big Ten. That'll really really uh, shake things up. I think the Big I mean, Ten's ready. How much better is ready for that? How much better of a brand is USC than Miami at this point? They're very similar. Um. Yeah, I guess they're pretty similar football brands. Uh, I do think I don't USC's know USC's ahead now. Because yeah, of Lincoln. yeah, and but, I think you if you were putting stock in, in futures, I think you'd probably put a little more in USC's than you would Miami. Although you know Mario Cristobal, I think is is a good coach and will do a good job down there too. But they're pretty similar. I think that's right. I don't know the the AAU academic side of this. Still seems like it's important. Both both UCLA and USC are, are AAU schools. Um, which is like every other Big Ten member. Well, I guess Nebraska's not, but they were at the time they added them. Um, so like that would probably be a sticking point too for whatever else they add. Um, I believe all the West Coast teams we've talked about are part of that. I'm pretty sure both Washington's and the Oregon schools, um, Cal and Stanford definitely are. Although I don't know. I would not want to add Cal and Stanford. Maybe Stanford, but not Cal. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I do. I do. Like, I think. I think that's my my general viableness is like it's earth shattering. I think that's right. 
Um, but it's hard for me to like really wrap my mind around it and also get super worked up about it because it doesn't feel like it's over yet. Like I want, yes. I want to see what it's what, like. What's you, next. You want to you want to really break it down once it's complete. You know what I think is funny? What about those uh, equipment bus drivers? The truck, yeah, the truck driver. Oh, that's actually a pretty good story, dude. Do you know how far away it is from from Piscataway to to Los Angeles? It's like forty three hundred miles. I think it's a forty four hour trip. The the closest the closest conference opponents to USC and UCLA, I guess, aside from each other. Uh, is fifteen hundred miles. That's Nebraska, and uh, Nebraska- how far of a drive is it from Nebraska to? So it's a fifteen-hour drive from Dallas to Arizona. So it's got to uh, be a twenty-four-hour drive from L.A. to Lincoln. I would think so. Yeah, or a twenty-hour drive. I drove. Uh, I drove once from San Francisco to Columbus, and <laughs> uh, the the first night I stayed in Reno. And the second night, I stayed in Nebraska, and that was far, far too much driving to do in two days. Yeah, like it was da- it was a dangerous amount of driving to do in two days. So, uh, yeah, shout out to those equipment truck drivers who now have to haul. They have to leave on Monday. Now. Have to haul. Have to haul the Mar- <laughs> the Maryland truck <laughs> from College Park to Los Angeles. Get your doors blown off by sixty <laughs> points. Yeah, no, I know. Oh boy. Oh, Craig. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say on this subject before we uh, get into some other Ohio State happenings? That I apologize that you and I just kind of talked at each other for 35 minutes without really having a, a, a straight line thought, but like it really is kind of just a representation of the way it feels to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I have fully, fully formed thoughts on this at the moment. Um, Which is fine because it's not a fully formed conference yet. That's so, right. You know, that's right. That. That's yeah. right. All right, let's talk some, some recruiting, shall we? Sure. Uh, um, let's start with the commitment that Ohio State got on Thursday from four-star Waxahachie, Texas cornerback Calvin Simpson Hunt, who flipped from Texas Tech. He was on an official visit to Ohio State two weeks ago, uh, visited Texas Tech this past weekend. There was like some back and forth there, it seems like. Um, with him not being quite sure whether or not he wanted to flip, I think Texas Tech was doing a good job of like trying to hold him off from that. But he, he ultimately flips. He's the third cornerback in Ohio State's class. He joins Dejon Johnson and Kay and Lee, who committed earlier this week. Um, Ohio State is likely to get a fourth cornerback on Friday, July 1st, when Jermaine Matthews is announcing his commitment. But uh, Calvin Simpson Hunt, I know, is a kid you went down and talked to in Waxahachie. He's not too far from where you live in Dallas. Um, what were your impressions of him at the time, if you have any thoughts on him as a player, and what did you think of Ohio State flipping him from Texas Tech? I don't know if people are aware of Texas Tech's recruiting strategy, so why don't we just take it from the top? You're aware of it, right? I am aware of it, yeah. Their their recruiting strategy is to find young players in the state of Texas who illustrate insanely freakish athletic ability. And a lot of it is raw, and they identify these players based on certain things like can they dunk a basketball, depending on what position they're in, how fast they run the 400, um, and all the different track events that they participate in. Like They have to have baseline physical traits that will allow them to grow into elite level players later on and and the thought is that if they get there early and they get these guys they can teach them football they can you can't teach traits you can teach football right Mm -hmm. um so calvin simpson hunt was by far the best discovery that these guys had like i mean they got him and he's like a he's like a like a freakishly fast person for his size right 
10, like he, 10, 6, 700 meter. Okay. Yeah. And like he's a six foot, 185 pound prospect who is thick as hell. Like I've sat in the same room with him for an hour and I was like, dude, this guy, this guy is like jacked, you know? Yep. And, you know, I, I think that the Ohio State is the nemesis of what Texas Tech is trying to do because Texas Tech, the hardest thing about it isn't identifying these guys. It's when they're really, really right and they hit on one that's really, really good that Alabama finds and then Ohio State finds and Clemson finds of keeping them from flipping them late. It's like they did Ohio State's dirty work for them. But I will give Ohio State a lot of credit on this one because Calvin Simpson Hunt was very close with the Texas Tech staff. I mean, they spoke every single day. They took visits. He took the last official visit, um, I believe, to Texas Tech um, before making a decision. I don't know if he changed up those plans because he was just at, he went to Ohio State after, right? Uh, um, no, he went to he, Ohio State before and then went back to Texas Tech. Yes, and then went to Texas Tech. So yeah. they got the last visit as a courtesy. Uh, everything that they did came back to Texas Tech, and at the end of the road, Ohio State won the commitment. So, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about how many top 100 players do they have? Is Ari an asshole because he thought they weren't going to – like, I don't want to do that today. I want to I want to congratulate Ohio State for high-level recruiting in the state of Texas of a, of a kid who is much better than his rating um, and certainly has seen his, his stock ascend quickly and, you know, doing it even though Texas Tech had a commitment and did everything in their power to do it. So, you know, I think it was a – it was a very good, high, effective way to recruit for that program. He was uh, the time he committed to Texas Tech. He did not have a ranking. He debuted in the ranking shortly after that in the three hundreds, and now he is a top two hundred player. Um, pro- I would think probably going to rise, rise some more. Um, I, I wonder, like positionally, where he might fit. I think I have I watched like his highlights. He's he looks like a really good press cover corner. Um, he is super fast, as already said. Like and that that shows up when you watch him play for sure. I wonder if he can play nickel a little bit. I think the same thing about Kay and Lee, too. Um, I think both those guys are kind of versatile in, in that way. So, um, well, I mean, there's plenty of time to figure that out. But I think he's a really good player, too. I think he's I think he's a guy who is going to – if he doesn't if he doesn't rise the rankings, I think we'll probably outperform his rankings just because of the raw athletic ability there. Um, so I think it's a good job by Tim Walton, who seems to be finding a stride a little bit recruiting. Um, got Kay and Lee – now has Calvin Simpson Hunt. I think they're going to get Jermaine Matthews, um, Tim Walton, apparently out of both the recruiting Caleb Downs, so they have a shot at getting two. So um, it's going to be a really big defensive back class. They have uh, so what's this five now? If when and if Jermaine Matthews commits, they'll have six, and and then Caleb Caleb Downs, Downs is the most important remaining prospect on their board right yeah but they're also in on Jaden Bonsu the four-star safety from New Jersey uh St. Peter's Prep same high school as Cody Simon I believe and, and Kareem Hunt and is that right Kareem Hunt I think so yeah um, no, not Kareem Hunt Kareem Walker Kareem Walker <laughs> I, remember, I forgot about I forgot about they both Kareem have braids Walker. I don't know That's like right. they're both running backs with braids that went to St. Peter's Prep <laughs> I forgot about Kareem Walker um yeah but I think obviously they'll take Caleb Downs um and I think they'll take Jaden Bonsu if they can get him too. So I think you could be looking at eight defensive backs in this class, which is a lot. But I, as we've said before, I think everyone sees the need to kind of retool the, the back end of of that defense, which is to say, like they might take, you know, between ten and or between nine and eleven, I guess, uh, defensive backs and linebackers when it's all said and done in this class. So um, that'll be something to monitor. Uh, you were out at the Elite Eleven. As I said at the beginning, uh, doing a lot of stuff. I would encourage you to go to read just read the stories that Ari's written so far. 
from out there. Theathletic.com slash four dash six. Uh, I've heard it's about 40% it. off. That's right. Get your 40% off. <laughs> I think, no, actually, I actually think like, I don't know. It might be like a dollar. I don't know. A dollar now? Yeah. yeah. So just go check it out, guys. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, wrote about Arch Manning, wrote about uh, Dante Moore, um, and you. Malachi Nelson Malachi today. Malachi Nelson today. And you talk to the two guys who are out there that Ohio State is recruiting Austin Novasad and Brock Glenn. So Before I, we go into that, though, Bill, can I just say, and I want to say this, because uh-huh. I saw. I saw uh, cj stroud throw in high school coleridge yeah i saw him throw in high school so i don't know if you guys know this and i don't know how many videos you found on twitter if you're a big you know social media person but that dude was doing the same drills as the guys there i'm gonna say this in the most politically correct way i can say it he was fucking incredible (laughs) like the the amount that he has grown and to see the tangible difference between like a five-star prospect and C.J. Stroud, like the ball, I, I, it felt like it was hurting the receiver's hand. <laughs> and I don't think I saw him miss a throw all week. Like, he is insanely good. We all know that. But the amount that he has grown in just the two years since he was a, 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 a prospect who, who ranked outside of the three, top 300 at the, at the Elite 11 is just absolutely bonkers. Yeah. So, like, this is his last year. We all know that. But he is... I don't know how to I don't know how to compare him to Haskins and Fields and God, but like arm talent wise, getting to watch him for three straight days just throw the ball around and do these drills in person, I don't know that I ever saw an Ohio State a current Ohio State quarterback throw that much in person in year two or three of their career in my entire ten years there, as I as much as I saw CJ Stroud. Holy shit balls. Yeah, he is um First of all, he's like he's he's big, right? Like I don't I, I don't he's think huge. people I don't think people realize how big CJ is. That's a big cat, um, and I, you know, you watch him from the press box, you watch him on television, or even if you're in the stadium, I think you get an appreciation of how talented he is. But you can see him in like the kind of setting that you saw him in, which is just like way more up close and personal. And I got to watch him at the student appreciation day practice. Like I was standing like six feet behind him. Like I felt like I was in a pocket with him at, at, at times. Myself and Tim May were just kind of standing there. Um, watching him throw in a live scrimmage, and it was just like, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't miss throws. He doesn't miss the throws. ball jumps no off. No ducks. Yeah, it's not. It's it's I, well, I like the separating factor. I think we need to talk about like guys like Fields and Haskins and compare them to to CJ. Those guys might have a little more life on their ball when it's fifty yards down the field, but um, anything within thirty yards of the line of scrimmage, CJ can do everything that they did, um, and maybe in some cases even do it even better. Um, and he has gotten tangibly better from the time he set foot on campus to, uh, uh, until now. It's really impressive. I mean, I watched Bryce Young and Caleb Williams, too, because they were there, the Heisman Trophy yeah. winner and the the next coming of greatness, I guess. Uh-huh. And this is the Elite 11. They're in shorts. You know, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. His arm talent shat on theirs. Interesting. Really? You think and, so? And I don't I, – I, that's just from what I saw. So, um, you know, in, in Caleb Williams – what makes him great isn't just how well he throws. I mean, he can he brings things to the table that CJ doesn't. So For sure. I'm not trying to yeah. say that CJ and, and same with Bryce. Um, but like the thing that we have to start talking about, and we'll get into the recruiting thing again too. But this is an Ohio State show, and I, I think people would be interested in this. Is that CJ Stroud to me looks like the number one overall pick in the NFL draft? Yeah. And if that happens, how do you contextualize him? as it pertains to some of the great quarterbacks that Ohio State has had. Because it has only been 10 months since we were having should Kyle McCord start conversations. And it's like right now, 
maybe there's a difference between greatest Ohio State quarterback of all time and greatest pro prospect, but he he is on a level that or a trajectory that I'm not sure an Ohio State quarterback has been on, maybe ever. I think that's probably right. I think I I think there's something to him. And I don't, I don't want this to come off the wrong way because I think he is talented in his own right to be considered QB1 in the upcoming draft. But I also think he's riding a little bit of the momentum that exists just sort of at the position at Ohio State that started with Dwayne, carried through to Justin, and now is, is, is propelling CJ into those conversations in conjunction with his immense talent. Um, but I think that probably needs to be taken into consideration too when you talk about like how does he compare to the other guys. Um, I need to see what he does on the field this fall <laughs> before yeah. before like he's I thought he was very good last year. Um, I think everyone who watched him would probably agree that he could have played maybe a little better in, in some games. Um, although like he's not the reason they lost to Oregon and Michigan. Um, but like is he does he have does he have that thing about him where he starts making special plays when the chips are down? And I think he does. Yeah. I think he does. Um, I don't really think he was in position to do that much last year. They like either like beat the shit out of whoever they were playing or were behind in a game and like weren't really ever in much of a position, I think. Maybe the Oregon game, but I'm not really going to hold that against them in a second start. Um, so I want to see a little bit of that to to yeah. help me to help me make that kind of judgment but he yeah, has I a, guess there's a, there's a much big there's a huge difference between watching him throw out in shorts in California and winning a game in November in Michigan Stadium too so yeah he's got know, a I, he's, I get that. he's got a he's a tremendous passer um maybe the maybe the best pure passer of of the group that we're kind of talking talking about him in um I I would like to see him be a little more of a playmaker when it's needed this year yeah, and he, I Agreed think and, and, and I think he has that ability too. I just would, would, would like to see him do it. It just was a, it was kind of a treat to see. That's all. Yeah, no, I think I think it's awesome when you can watch a quarterback in that setting. Um, you're right; it's like not real football, but it's also kind of fun just to watch him spin it and like listen <laughs> listen to the thing howl as it comes out of his hand. You know I mean, what I mean? <laughs> home run derby isn't baseball, but who doesn't yeah, like it's watching? Still, it, you it's know? still yeah. entertaining, right? It's still entertaining. Yeah. So, no, that's cool, and it's interesting that it, it's also kind of cool that you get to see him not only there but also in comparison to Bryson. Uh, to Bryce. Yeah, he would do a rep, and then yeah. the the high schooler would do a rep, and then the high schooler would do a rep, and then Bryce would come in. So you would get to it's like, you know, sometimes when you watch like videos that are on top of each other, yes, like on a pitch or something, and you can see how they move. Like it was just like kind of like a, a perspective of, and I tried to write that in the Arch Manning column that I wrote of just like, you know, we put so much pressure and emphasis, emp- emphasis. Sorry, I've done four podcasts today, my head's about to explode. <laughs> uh, on just how important five-star prospects are and like Dylan uh, Rayola is going to go through that and um, Devin Brown has that it factor that you know a lot of people you know there's so much but the amount that they grow in a college weight program in two years under the tutelage of their offensive coordinator and a guy like Ryan Day it was just a nice reminder to see like I'm always like start the kid as a freshman and it's just like when you compare the freshman versions of five-star elite level prospects to the sophomore version or the the third year player that CJ Stroud is going in to be like it is night and day. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the hard thing with with college football trying to evaluate. It's like these guys show up to the NFL like ready to go for the most part. Um it's very just very different in college football. Guys change so much. I think I t- I think I said when uh when we were at the one of the camps um 
Winston Watkins, who's like going to maybe be a five-star receiver in 2025, who's committed to Texas A&M, like ran his 40 time, and he was like upset with what his 40 time was. And then somebody was like, Garrett Wilson ran that when he was in a sophomore in high school too. Guess what? You're gonna you're gonna shave two tenths of a second off that thing by the time you're you're running for um, at the NFL Combine, and your four your four six is going to be a four four, your four five is going to be a four three. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> so um, yeah, that and that's sure across the board. But um, Novasad and Brock Glenn, what kind of vibes did you get from those guys? Um, so Novasad is going to commit in the next week, he said. So I don't know if that's out there or not. Is that a thing? Yeah, I think he's told people like soon. So yeah, the yeah. next week. Um, and like I'm exhausted. I don't know if I can write the story tonight. Um, but you know, he was very general and complimentary of all three programs down to Baylor, Ohio State, and A M, which everyone knows too, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, it, I thought it was funny that Brock Glenn and. Uh, and Novasad were roommates. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at Elite Eleven, they didn't talk about you know, but um, it doesn't sound like they're going to go to the same school. And I, like, I think if I had to guess that Novasad's going to go to A and M, and Glenn's going to end up at Auburn. Um, and Glenn's first name is Auburn, so you were right about that. I asked him. <laughs> I think I was the thirtieth person to ask him, but he's like, "Yeah, dude, like, yeah, it is." Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. But. You know, both of those guys look really good. I mean, honestly, there were there were a lot of uh, a lot of misses for for everybody out there, but there were a lot of flashes. And it's like if you're on that field and you're invited there, like, um, you know, you, you got something about him. But like, if they miss on those both of those guys, which is a, a, a distinct possibility, you know, who's an interesting name? And I'm making this up completely. Um, that I would go after if I were Ohio State, and they might is JJ Cole. You know. Is, is that something that people have been, you know, theorizing on? Because he's that four-star prospect uh, out of Ankeny, Ohio, that's committed to Iowa State right now. And, um, you know, he was awesome. And, you know, he's kind of like in that footprint. I guess if you're coast-to-coast now in your conference, everyone's in your footprint. But yeah. he's kind of like in that geographical footprint that might, you know, you know qualify for something like that. So you I know. think, uh, yeah, I, I, I am – I think they're probably not going to get either of those guys now, Novasad or, or Glenn. I think if if I had to pick one or the other, I would I would say that they don't get either of them. And I'm very curious to see how they pivot from there. JJ Cole, I think, is is an interesting one. Who's the the kid who's going to Purdue? Ricky Collins is that his name? Collins, yeah. Um, I think maybe he could be someone they because they're at this point they're going to have to try to flip somebody. Well, well, here's here's Ohio State's problem. They have to convince somebody to come be the guy in the middle of a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. so like that hasn't been an issue in the past <laughs> for some reason but like now it's just like if you're ricky collins and you're from louisiana and you're a four-star prospect who's who's a borderline top 200 player like what's the better scenario for you is it to go to purdue and be the guy from day one and be the thing that you know is the program builds around or go be the guy who's likely going to get squeezed out in a year right you know and like I, I guess if you you know Ohio State fans will say, well, you just want the right guy who doesn't think about those types of things, just comes in and competes. But it's like you have to think about that because they're on the same field as these guys. Yeah, they know not, how good other people life. are. Yeah. And it's like even even if you are a very good player, like why even risk it? Because like you might be a tremendous player, but you might still not be as good as the guy next to you. You know, and you know if you flip the coin three times, you know, and I'm gonna get a bunch of tweets and emails about how I'm how how I like participation trophies and stuff like I did last time, but like. That's what they're in the middle of. Like, don't you think one of the two guys at the like Glenn or Novasad would have been like happy to join the class if Rayola wasn't right behind him? 
Like I think it would have been an easier sell for Ohio State if Riola wasn't right behind them. Um, and I, but I also don't think, I I don't think that's necessarily the reason either one of them would not pick Ohio State if they don't like. Baylor is a good program. A and M is a good program. Um, yeah, Brocklin. I guess I don't know. Brocklin's like Auburn, Florida State, TCU. Not, maybe yeah. not. Maybe not quite as good programs. I don't. I don't know about that. But like, it's not. If a kid doesn't want to enter like a crazy loaded quarterback room it's like okay that's a normal decision i don't i don't i hope no one would like criticize him for like oh he's afraid of the competition like no he's just making a whatever he thinks is the right decision for himself yeah um and i think that that's fine but a bit it makes me interested in what ohio state's going to do next um and i think they would try to move on and maybe try to flip flip a guy or two jj cole's coming to iowa state right mm-hmm. um ricky collins i don't know then his dad is like your uh yeah, he's the he is Someone, the, the he's the kick, he's the mecca of Landis Cole's Cole's kicking camp, which is like the best kicking camp there is. Uh, that is JJ Cole's dad, right? That's right. I wrote a story about JJ Cole a few years ago. I yeah, don't know if you remember that, I but. do because he was in Columbus. Uh, he was the quarterback MVP of the Under Armour camp in Columbus two springs ago. And You're the one who told me to write about him. I was the one who told you to write about. Yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because I didn't get to talk to him for some reason. I don't know why. I must have been talking to some like offensive lineman or something like that, because um, that's what I do when I go to those things. But yeah, he's uh, he was impressive then. He's a big kid. He's like six seven, right? Six 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 seven. It's huge. Yeah. He's the biggest one there. He's really yeah. yeah he's a really big kid. Um, and I think Ohio State has at least like watched him. Like they're they're not unaware of him. Um, I don't think they really pressed anything there, but they might now. Um, they could go elsewhere. I did think it was funny. Uh, not to sound like a colossal homer, but. Uh, the kid who the kid who won Elite Eleven MVP, Jackson Arnold, was like the first guy in this class that Ohio State really seemed to like go all in on, and then he ended up committing to Oklahoma. And it's like, oh, I guess like they and he was like not the highest highest rated guy in the class, but he ended up being the one who won the Elite Eleven. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make or break their class, right? If they don't get a quarterback, like I'm not, I don't. I, on the list of things that can make or break their class, I think wh- who, who I was talking to Berm on the sidelines at Elite Eleven, and he was like very much of the opinion that they absolutely have to have one in this class. I think they because if Devin Brown were somehow to win the job next year, they could end up with one quarterback on their roster. Right. That that that's a real that's a real thing. I I I, I agree with that, but I'm I'm not sold on the idea that it like has to be a high school guy. They could just yeah. They could just go get a transfer if they find themselves in that position. They might need two. In that scenario, yeah, maybe the, maybe they Bolts. need a high school guy and a, and, a, and a transfer, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't know if they need to go sign, you know, some guy who's committed to, you know, Texas Lutheran right now. You know what I mean? Like, I I think that you you go after the best you can go, but it's like if you can get anybody from the Elite Eleven Finals, I think you take them. It's just like the reason why JJ Cole jumps out to me is because he seems to make sense in every aspect. Was there anybody there? Not to put you on the spot, besides Brocklin, who's not committed. Um, there were there were a few, but I can't. Their names are escaping me right now. Okay, uh, let me let me pull up the roster real quick. Um, and maybe I should have just gone around and asked every single person about Ohio State, uh, and that didn't occur to me to do that. What of in my old life? But um, <laughs> yeah, there there were a few. Um, but I think there was only three out of the fifteen or sixteen guys that were there that weren't. Okay, so Brocklin wasn't committed. Uh, Avery Johnson, the kid from Kansas, wasn't committed. Um, Dante Moore is not committed, but he's not going oh, to yeah. Ohio State. I forgot about Dante uh, Moore, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, Emery Williams, who's out of Milton, Florida. But he's to Miami now, isn't he? So, uh, 
Yeah, only three guys, and one's Dante Moore, so it doesn't count. Yeah, Emory Emory Williams is now a Miami commit. So, uh, was that before or after Jaden Rashada? Was that before? It was before, I guess. I think or? it was before. Yeah. yeah, that could be interesting. I, I walked up to Jaden Rashada and I said, "Hey, I'm Ari Washman from the Athletic," and he goes, "Are you guys the guys who put the report out about me?" And I said, "I, I don't think so." No, uh, and he goes, "Good, because I'm never doing an interview with On Three ever again." <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That is funny. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. We did. I don't. Yeah, I don't think we. I don't think we put that out there. No, I was like, I if they did, it wasn't. I, I no, I don't know what you're talking. There was a lot of people who work here, but I I knew it wasn't us. Yeah. Um, but it's just like a reminder of just like it's tough sometimes on these guys, you know. Yeah, they get a lot of, uh, especially now. Like I don't know. I guess that's the world we live in. It's like these. NFL player signs a contract for forty five million dollars, just like normal to report how much money they're making, and I guess it's a new reality for these kids that people are now going to speculate or wonder or report even if it's erroneously how much money yeah they're, they're well i hope that he got his bag because then i'd feel less bad for him yeah i mean he's if he's well i don't know if he got if he got quite that the bag that was reported but he's uh, over time he will certainly get a bag and that's good for him they reported he got a louis bag but he might have gotten a ziploc bag like i don't know like <laughs> who knows what he got but, i think it was a little uh, it was a little nicer than a ziploc bag lunch bag yeah i don't know uh, jansport jansport yeah <laughs> All right. Um, anything else in Elite Eleven? Uh, it just was cool to see everybody out there, and I'm excited to see how it all turns out. But um, I wish you were there. It would have been fun to hang out with you for a few days. Yeah, I probably should have went. Now knowing that CJ's there, I wish I would. I mean, gone. I don't know. He, CJ did the. You know, he he has a lot going on. He's got a lot of people around him all the time. He was signing autographs, and you know, he wasn't necessarily the the beacon of wanting to talk to the media this week so i, I think yeah. that he's gonna get enough know, of that did. in the fall so yeah yeah i mean it was cool to watch him i, th- I think it would have been a good story if you like came out and charted his throws or something <laughs> like that like i mean but there are psychopaths there that charted every single throw that was thrown there i don't know how people do that shit but you know all the power to them who else um, what, what just other a, what other current college quarterbacks are there besides cj bryce young and uh caleb devin leary and caleb williams Devin Leary. Oh yeah, saw. Devin Leary. Devin Leary. He's he's got he's got some juice to him too. Um, I want to draft him in our dynasty league. Yeah, you can trade up. I might have to. I think our our our, uh, our commissioner Ryan Donnelly's in love with him too, so he'll probably just draft him. That's fine. Yeah. Um, quickly before we wrap up, just a reminder: uh, Jermaine Matthews is committing July first. Um, Darren Reed, a four-star defensive lineman from Columbus, Georgia is committing i believe on the fourth it's like ohio state or lsu um that's like the next one to keep an eye on and then i would just say like generally uh coming out of these june official visits it seems like quite a few guys are kind of in decision mode um a handful of whom like don't have dates set to announce but i i think um over the next like two or three weeks maybe like caleb downs i think is front of mind they were like tacka curtis um John Walker, the big defensive tackle from Florida. I think they maybe initially said he was going to announce in the fall, but I don't think I'd be terribly shocked if that happened sooner now that official visits are winding down. Justice Haynes, um, Jaden Bonsu, I think is later in July or maybe, maybe Basically, they're going to have 17 top 100 players committed, and they're going to have the number one class in the country, right? Well, yeah, they were they were number one when Kay and Lee committed, and then Notre Dame got a good offensive tackle, and they went back to number one. But then when uh, Calvin Simpson Hunt committed on Thursday, Ohio State went back to number one. I told someone in the comments of of uh, story that were earlier this week, like Ohio State and Notre Dame are going to go back and forth for a few months, and then in the end, Alabama is going to be number one, and that's you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, uh, who's number one right now? Ohio State is back at number one now. 
after Simpson. Oh, but they were oh, not okay because they got Cam Williams too, right? Or is he a twenty-four kid? Who Notre Dame? Yeah, Cam Williams is a twenty-four. Twenty-four. Kid. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they got player. They yeah. got that uh, def- uh, offensive tackle. Um, yeah, whose name I I am forgetting, but he's like a top sixty player. Um, so they jump in front. Oh, then, Charles Jacuza. Yes. Jacuza. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Hashmi. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up there. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Four to Six with A and B. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, shout out to everybody who gave us five star reviews um, after we begged for them last time. I saw all of them. There are some questions in there. We'll definitely. I was I was planning to get to some of them today, but then this news happened, so um, we'll try to get to them uh, in the next episode for sure. Um, start to pivot, I think, a little more toward like team stuff with Big Ten Media Days coming up in a few weeks and, and camp coming right after that. Um, but we'll certainly keep on track of the recruiting as well. Subscribe to the Athletic, theathletic.com slash four six. Leave us a five star review on Apple. We would greatly appreciate it, and we will talk to you guys next week.